0: And teaching is from the Warrior's Heart Bible Study for Men. You can find us on the web at warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day. If you're a man, you're a what? A leader, whether we want to or not. That's just what the Lord has called us to be. And so um, I wanted to just uh, give you a little tool here. It says lead. And uh, the L stands for listen. Listen. Which is, what, who has the famous verse out of James memorized about listening? Be what? Be quick, to listen, and, <laughs> there you go, Stan, at least you said something, <laughs> I have some CDs, no, here's, a, here's my daughter's CD, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I spent, uh, I spent two years listening as an assistant basketball coach at a uh, Division II school up in Belmont, right south of San Francisco, and the the head coach Al Hobby says, "Look, I want you to drive the van, and I want you to help me prepare for practice, and just watch and listen." I did that for two full years, and uh, I learned a lot. If you're at my thing, is it? Uh, I hope we don't have any technical problems with this, but. If you want to be a leader, first thing you have to do is listen. Whether it's listening to your wife. I mean, that one right there is like, okay, Lord, test me. And if you have children, listening to your children. So you have to do that. Second thing is edify. That's the E. Spend your time edifying people. And surrounding yourself with people who edify you. What does the word edify mean? Oh, Kevin. Geez, you weren't even thinking here. Yes. Build up. Bad company corrupts good. good character. I don't hang out with people who don't build me up and who don't allow me to build them up. The Lord says, build each other up. It's very important that you don't hang out with people who are constantly bringing you down. A, ask. Ask for permission. When you ask for permission, you'll know whether to proceed or not. Especially if you want to share the gospel with somebody. You ask first Peter chapter three, right you guys see it right there who can uh, who has that verse memorized anybody two with but there's two words in there with gentleness and with respect right ask if you're in christ you should be the most respectful person the most gentle person because that's what jesus was for us he was gentle he was respectful i cannot say that uh, he has never ever been anything less than that with me Then you get the privilege of doing the D. Okay? Discipleship is a privilege. That's the D. Discipling somebody is a privilege. We don't get to just go in and tell people what to do. We're not supposed to go in and tell people what to do. So if we listen to them, we're edifying them, we're asking them, they're going to say to you, you know what? Could you help me here? What do you have to say about this? Whatever it may be that they're struggling with. And all of a sudden, you become a leader. I'm going to go over some things with regards to Peter here. Um, Peter was an incredible man. But at one time, he was a total loser, right? We all know that part of his life. With Jesus, it's not, where have you been? With him, it's where are we going? And you need to make, draw a line in the sand at some point and say, Lord, I know, I know, I know. And then say, Lord, I want to listen. I want to listen. I want to listen. I want to move forward with you. I want to begin to make good decisions. Coaching is all about teaching your players to make the right decision at the right time. Right? And so here we're going to learn some fundamentals. <clears throat> of Jesus' game. The major fundamental is truth. Okay? Don't separate truth from love. People say, hey, Jesus is love. No, Jesus is love and truth. Okay? Very important that we understand that truth has to be in everything that we do because the truth will, what? Set us free. Set us free to live the life that he wants us to live. Peter, well, he had three truths. All we're going to talk about is what the Lord led Peter to write, right here. So on your sheet on this other side, we're going to give you four very important things that he said, but we'll get to those in a little bit. Let me give you the three truths first. This is God's word. In 2 Peter 1, 20, 21, it says, for for prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That word you have in your hands is not Paul's word. It's not Ezekiel's word. It's not Jeremiah's word. This is God's word. And these men could never have written what's written in there. It's not possible for Paul to have written what he wrote. It's contradictory to everything he believed in. Unless God saves him, Puts the Holy Spirit in him and tells him, I want you to write this. Okay? So, no man wrote what's written in there. This is all God's word or it's not. His word speaks of one faith and one goal. Jesus is not about being inclusive. He's very exclusive. That's how special you are. Okay? And he says, this is God's faith. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result or the goal of your faith. What is the goal of the faith that he gave me? Before he saved me, I had faith. But that faith was in me. I was an atheist. I'm a psychologist. I studied psychology and I read all the philosophy books from Europe. John Paul Sartre. I mean, Nitschke, all those things that I was reading was ridiculous was killing me i just didn't know it was killing me right he says there's only one faith and this faith is god's faith and that faith he gives to us to put on the only one who walked on this earth and said he would do for you what we need done we needed a blood transfusion we needed our old blood filled with sin replaced with jesus's blood without sin because that blood cannot come into the presence of God. Our blood, Alanis, I need Jesus' blood. Right? With Jesus, there's only two bloods. The blood of, of his blood or man's blood. And so, <clears throat> he put this faith in me. He said, the prophet searched for this goal of this faith that he put in me. What's the goal of the faith he put in me? Salvation. This salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care. Another version that says, They studied and observed salvation. And they tell us, he tells us why he did that. Trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them. Jesus was already speaking to them to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, starting with Genesis chapter 3, has to do with who? Jesus. The seed of the woman going to come and crush Satan's head. If Jesus does not resurrect, there's no hope. You, must, you might as well eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you die. When Jesus resurrected, he went into God's holy temple, and he crushed Satan's head and kicked him out. Right? God is real simple. Somebody wants to live in your temple, but your temple was created for only one person. Who wants to live in it? Satan wants to live in it. Right? But it wasn't made for him. It was made for who? For Jesus. Right? It was made for Jesus. So if Jesus is not in here, who's in here? Satan. That's it. (laughs) It's real simple, right? It's real simple. It's not complicated. If Jesus is not in here, and that's all you need to know. Okay, Jesus lives in my heart. Before it was me, it was my mom, it was my dad, my grandmother, grandfather, my religion, my my culture, whatever it was. A lot of stuff was in here. Jesus said, "No, I'm the only one supposed to be in there." And He says, "The Spirit of Christ in Him was pointing when He predicted the sufferings of the Messiah." and the glories that would come. It was revealed to them, and this is critical, guys. They were not serving themselves, but you. People ask me, why do you study and observe salvation? For others. Because I want other people to be saved. That's it. Three fundamental truths. Right? Would Peter, would the truth be a good enough coach to get you and me, this team of men, to the final four? You guys want to go to the final four? I checked for tickets already. I can't go to the final four. (laughs) I can watch my TV for free. right. And uh, yes, Peter was given a purpose. The purpose was to win souls. That's it. Okay. The Lord saves you to save others. That's why your testimony is so important. Right. Because when you put on that Jersey, the last school I coached at was Turlock High School Bulldogs. Uh, and then I also helped my friend at the college level. And I remember telling him this. I told my friend. I said, I want you to take out all the uniforms, line them up along the wall. And we had three uniforms, black, white, and blue. Right? And he says, uh, what are you going to do? And the reason why he asked me to come and help him is because he'd been losing for five years. He couldn't win more than nine games. With the JC level there in California, there's 107 JCs, and uh, it's an incredible system. Great basketball in California, just like this great football in Texas. And he says, What are you gonna do? He says, We're gonna need them to go through Pirate Day. In order for them to put that uniform on, they need to go through private Day. Pri- uh, Pirate Day. One of our best players was a six foot six kid out of Stockton, California. When he saw the uniforms out, the tennis shoes out, the socks out, the bags out. Okay? He looked over there, and he realized what was about to happen. He walked out of the gym. Okay, Pirate day. Pirate. This was the, the mascot of our JC. And I said, in order for you to put that uniform on, you're going to have to go through pirate day. And this young man says, I'm not going to go through it. It's okay. So we waited, and he walked out the gym. The other 17 guys got on the line, and for the next hour, they went through Pirate Day. We had, I told them, I said, just put out the trash cans, okay? Because I don't know if they've eaten or not, but some at some point during this time, something's going to come out of them. Okay, And my friend looks at me. His name is Paul. And he goes, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, dude, you've been losing. <laughs> do you want to keep losing? I said, I'm not going to come and help you if you want to keep losing. He goes, all right, all right, all right. We went on and won 20 games that year. That young man left. But guys, the Lord is going to put you through something. Because he wants to make sure that when you put on the uniform, it says Jesus on here. That you're gonna have a testimony. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. Yes, he had convictions. Coach Hobby was the coach that put me to three years of listening, and then after I listened to him, I applied at uh, Sunset High School in Hayward in the Bay Area. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Bay Area basketball. Jason Kidd, I mean you can name the guys who come out of there, Gary Payton, they're all in this area. I coached against Lamon Murray, I coached against the Barry brothers who played in the NBA. Those are the kinds of teams we played against all the time. But Sunset High School needed to fill their coaching position, and I went and told Coach Hobby, he says, I'm gonna apply for this position. I wanna know if you'll recommend me for it. He took me in his office, sat me down, and he told me ten reasons why I should not get into coaching. And the number one was you're just a nice guy. Right? And he gave me nine more. And I said, Coach, uh, I'm still going to apply. He goes, yeah, well, go ahead then. I wasn't too encouraged after that meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Went to the first interview. They called me back for the second interview. Then they called me back for the third interview. Right? And on the third interview, Mr. Larry Rado tells me, he says, "Uh, we're going to hire you as our basketball coach. And I said, "Could you ex- let me know why you decided to hire me?" And he goes, "Because we've never received a letter of recommendation for anyone like the one we got for you." And I said, "Those three people that I had asked." And I said, "Who, who was it?" And he goes, it was coach Hobby. And he read it to me. And I went back to Coach Hobby and I said, "You weren't very encouraging." (Laughter) And like a typical coach, you know what he said? He says, you're going to be an awesome coach. I just wanted to make sure you had the conviction. Right? You're going to get tested. The Lord's going to test you because he wants you to grow. And he says you need to grow in your salvation and grace and grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus, the one who saved you. Too many people have grown up in church. God's word never says grow up in church. He says, grow up in Jesus. Grow up, get to know him who as a a complete man made no mistakes because he was a complete God. Completely man, and completely God, and he did for you. People say, who's your role model? (laughs) Michael Jordan? No. If Jesus is not your role model, then you're going to have issues in life. That's just the way it is. Jesus said, you're either with me or you're against me. I'm not going to be against Jesus. Okay? It's real simple. I want him to teach me. So you get to the first quarter of the game, and I remember sitting with my teams, uh, and we're explaining to our teams We're getting ready to play San Joaquin Memorial. San Joaquin Memorial has Poindexter, who's playing for the Pelicans, They had the Lopez brothers. You guys heard of the Lopez brothers? Yeah. That's the team we're playing against in the semifinals of the Clovis West tournament in Clovis, California. Okay. My 6'10 guy got hurt the night before. So we're down to my 6'7 guy and four 5'10 guards against these guys. right. I have to explain to them what's going to happen in the first quarter. I said guys whatever we do let's not let them dunk okay i said if we limit the dunks we won't look as bad cuz we know we're going to lose <laughs> got 3 nba players on this high school basketball team right i had two division II players on my team and so you have to explain things to prepare the players for what's coming right Peter explains to us who Jesus is. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this, this. The operative word here is this. Jesus said, many will come in my name. You have to know which Jesus you're talking about. When I came to Texas, somebody says, I want to talk with you about Jesus. And the first question out of my mouth was, which Jesus? Right? Because if somebody wants to talk to you about Robert, the first question out of your mouth is going to be, which Robert? Right? It's important that you as a man read God's word and say, Lord, I want to know this Jesus. Okay? When the Lord saved me, I got into apologetics like ridiculously heavy. Because I wanted to know this Jesus who one day I was cursing And the next day, I am proclaiming. And I couldn't explain that. And it bothered me that I couldn't explain this changed heart and this changed mind from one day to the next. Because I went and told my mom and dad about Jesus the next day. And for the next 20 years, they chastised me, they hated me. Okay? I had to make a decision because this Jesus, whom you crucified, God made both Lord and Messiah. God in the flesh who was to come to save me. Okay? And how much did it cost him to save me? Everything, right? First Corinthians 12, 3 says, Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. I was cursing him one day. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden at about 930 in the evening on January 14th, 1985 on Olive Avenue at the Olive Grove Apartments in Turlock, California, I am saying Jesus is my Lord. I couldn't explain that. I couldn't explain that except that he had done something in me. And my wife. And from that moment forward, my life was changed. Right? Peter knew him. What can you explain about Jesus right now? Right? Number one is Peter explained who Jesus is. What can you explain about Jesus? Explain means, okay, he was this, he was that, he did this, he did that. Why did he do this? Why... Did he tell the paralytic, get up, your sins are forgiven? Why did he say, unless you believe who I say I am, you will die in your sins? You know, why does he say, you're with me or against me? He goes, why does he say, if you remain in me, my words remain in you? Why does he say all those things? You know, you have to know when Jesus speaks. You guys remember the E.F. Hutton commercials? Who remembers the E.F. Hutton commercials? (laughs) Yeah. What do you do when they speak? You listen. Yeah. When E.F. Hutton speaks. People listen. When Jesus speaks, God the Father said, This is my son, whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Everything has to do with Jesus. Right? And when you proclaim his name, when you explain who he is, guess who gets pleased? The Father gets pleased. There's nothing greater than someone speaking about your child. Who has children? You guys have children? And you just overhear somebody say something about your children that is just so incredible, so inspiring to you, right? And you're like over oh, here going, wow. Because it speaks of you, that perhaps you've done a great job. God the Father, it pleases Him for you to speak about Jesus. My job is to please the Father. So I want to be able to explain Jesus to people. People don't need church explained to them. They already hate church. They need Jesus explained to them, right? They need Jesus explained to them. And we need to spend time like Peter had to because Peter did all the bad things before. He denied him. Jesus even said to me, apart from me, Satan, you know, I mean, wow. And then he gets to this place where the Lord has them write these words. In the second quarter, When the the game gets going, about the first four or five minutes, I tell them, guys, this is what's going to happen. Because when you get into the second quarter of the game, you want to be in your tempo. You want to be in your rhythm. As a coach, you want to see that what you have actually practiced on for a week is being executed on the court. Well, the only way you know is if they proclaim it. Okay? Players don't need to proclaim it with their mouths. They're proclaiming it with their game. Right? This is where execution. You got to start seeing some execution by the second quarter. It says, for Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Okay? The Lord uses absolute words like everything. It's not like, well, Jesus said that, but no. Listen to everything. And it pleases the Father that you would listen to everything he tells you. Jesus said, hey, if they won't listen to Moses, then they're going to listen to me because Moses wrote about me. (laughs) Right? Moses knew Jesus. These people knew that they were writing about the Messiah, the one that was to come. It says, Then a cloud appeared and covered them and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And this is in the transfiguration where Jesus is what? He is the law and he is the prophets. Jesus is the law. Jesus is the prophet. Jesus is love. Jesus is forgiveness. It's not what is forgiveness. it's who is forgiveness. It's not what is peace. It's who is peace. It's not what is joy. It's who is joy, right? It's a pronoun. It's a person. it's Jesus. I couldn't I could not know. I, I, I can't know. I can't know peace unless I know the Prince of peace, right? So we need to speak the way he speaks. And we do when we listen to him. Peter followed him. He says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father in heaven. How was, G- How was Peter crucified? I said, I don't deserve to be put on the cross that way. You know, I mean, he went to that place where he submitted to him completely. Are you following him now? That's a question for you. Because I followed him into my mom and dad's house on 2872 Ross Avenue. And my mom, if she could have spit in my face, she would have. That night I told her that the Lord saved me, he took away my sins, and I'm going to live with him forever. And for the next 20 years my name was mud to my mom, and to my dad. And for the next 20 years, I prayed the Lord save their souls. And then I shared the gospel with my mom. And she went to be with Jesus. And five years ago, I shared the gospel with my dad. And in the last five years, my dad had a buddy relationship. Right? But you pray. Romans chapter 9 says, May I be cursed, O Lord, so that my mom and dad be saved. Take away my salvation so that my parents be saved. Romans chapter 10 says, the desire of my heart, my prayer for my mom and dad is that they be saved. It's never that they go to church. It's never that they know that they be saved. That's why I have to be able to proclaim Jesus and explain Jesus because that's what I had to do to them. When I explained at the foot of the bed at the hospital and I explained to my dad who Jesus is, he says to me, in Spanish. Well, then it has to be that. Because my dad could not confess until I explained to him who Jesus is, that Jesus is completely God and completely man. Because in his religion, he was taught that he was a little baby in a manger. The third quarter, you go into halftime to regroup and make sure that when you come out, if you're doing great, you keep that going. And if you're not doing great, let you sit out, talk about it, and see what we can do. Texas A&M, NIU. Did you guys watch that game? Right? How many, how many points were they down? I mean, it's like ridiculous what happened. But at some point. They said, okay, 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 and, and this is what's so beautiful about sports is that you get a chance to witness these incredible comebacks and these incredible victories, and a lot of those things take place at halftime when the coach gets in there, okay? And I had a few times kick something, grab something, throw something, okay? And you do that. I had just bought a brand-new pair of shoes over in uh, the Bay Area when I was coaching at Sunset High School, and I forgot they were new. And I kicked something, and they just ripped them up. And my wife says, why do you keep doing that? And I said, because the boys needed to know that going into the the third quarter, we had to remain constant. It says remained up there. (laughs) What happened here? my thing but it says remain peter remained with jesus he explained jesus he proclaimed jesus and he remained he says if you remain in me and my words remain in you ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you okay it's a very simple concept your child wants to go to the movies on friday night but they didn't remain in you from monday to thursday you ask them to mow the lawn. You ask them to clean the bedroom. You ask them to do this, and they did nothing. And then they come on Friday and says, "Dad, I want to go to the movies with my, with my friends." What are you going to tell them? Are you going to sit down and explain to them? I've had to do it with my daughters. This daughter, you know, I've had to do it. I said, "No, no, no, you can't. you, you, you have to be obedient through this process." salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled old ordinary men they were astonished okay it was in this room right here where I was asked and the lady was sitting right there and she asked me and it was more packed than this And this was her question. Which seminary did you go to? And it was not a good question to ask. Okay? They're introducing me to the people who were here. She asked me what seminary I went to with knowing full well I have not been to a seminary. Right? Not a good question to ask. So I just looked at her and I said... um, I've been to the same seminary Jesus has been to. Everybody laughed like you're laughing. She got all red and got upset. Afterwards, I went and gave her a hug and I said, you need to be careful because if you know God's word, unschooled, ordinary men. Okay? And then it gives you the answer down here. They took note that way. Right? That's it. This is either God's word or it's a lie. Guys, it costs a lot of money to go to seminary. You know how much it costs to go to Jesus? (laughs) Right? It's not going to cost you anything. And... I am a businessman. I am not going to waste any money to have a man teach me when I can go to the master. Right? I didn't write this, by the way. (laughs) And neither did Peter. But they took note that these men have been with Jesus. Who are you hanging out with? Okay? So I had a gentleman who was here and he goes, I'm going to seminary because I want to be a pastor. And I said, no. If you want to be a pastor, you go home to your wife and your children, and you take care of business. Because he says, if you can't govern your own house, you can't govern mine. Right? First Timothy. That's it. So where did you go to seminary? I went to my wife. (laughs) I went to my children. I went to Jesus, and it didn't cost me anything. Okay? That tip, if it saves you money, give me a kickback. (laughs) Right? Right? But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Okay? I don't need to go outside myself to see and hear what he has done. All I have to do is look in the mirror and I can see what he has done with this pathetic man. And when I speak, I can hear. What he has done with this pathetic man, because my vocabulary was not what it is, and it, for the last 31 years, hasn't been. Okay? I am 31 years old. Right? You don't have to laugh at that. I am. Since January 14th, 1985, I am 31 years old, because the Lord says you have to be born again. If you're born one time, you will die twice. You will die. Physically, and you will die spiritually. When the Lord speaks of death, He doesn't speak of the first death, He speaks of the second death. You don't want to go to the second death. That's hell. But if you're born two times, you only die once. Samson from the body is to be present with the Lord. You have to have that understood in your heart. Right? Peter obeyed him. Where are you obeying him now? Simple obedience, he says, if I can trust you with the little, I can trust you with the lot, right? People ask me, he says, how would you end up in Houston, at Houston's First Baptist Church? Who called you over here? And I said, well, he began interviewing me about nine years ago. Ten years ago, he began interviewing me. I don't know if you realize this, gentlemen, but you're in the middle of an interview. And who's interviewing you? Jesus is interviewing you, and he's watching you. I pastored in California for seven and a half years with no pay. I pastored two churches, no pay. You know who paid me? Satan. I was a teacher at the public schools. All right? We'll let that one just... The fourth quarter, you're coming to the fourth quarter. We practiced every day the last four minutes of the game. Okay? And boy, if a fight didn't take place, I instigated it. Okay? Because we played basketball. I played high school basketball at a small school and I got a scholarship to go play at an AIA school and I had no clue what it was to play college basketball. My coach didn't teach me. They didn't talk to me that I might be On the same court with 20, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27-year-olds. In NIA basketball, there's no limit on age and time. So you could be a 30-year-old freshman. (laughs) And the starting point guard was 26. I'm 18, and I think I'm I'm somebody. I was a total loser. I didn't know what it was like to play college basketball. Right? I had to learn some tough lessons my my first year in college. And uh, with the kids that I coached, and when I began my coaching career, I said, I'm going to teach my kids what real basketball is. So we scheduled teams with the Berry Brothers. De La Salle, you guys heard of De La Salle High School? De La Salle High School is known for football, even though they found out what real football was last year. De La Salle High School was ranked number one in the nation when they came into what state? And they played the number 16th ranked in the state of Texas. They're number one in the nation and they played the number 16th ranked team in the state of Texas. Euless Trinity, up outside of Dallas over there. Guess who won? Yeah, and they were making a big deal out of this. Well it's the first time De La Salle travels into Texas. I don't know that they'll ever return again. <laughs> <laughs> stay, out stay out of Texas because you know what? You're messing with the big boys. And the commissioner of Texas, when they asked him, said, should we have a national high school championship game? What did he say? Why? (laughs) We already know we're the best. Why are we going to waste our time trying to play against you guys? It was somebody from Ohio, because Ohio's got some good football too. But it's not Texas high school football. And I love football, right? More than basketball, interestingly. But yeah, you can watch these games if you go to a high school football game in Texas and you said, how do these 16, 17, 18-year-olds do this? It's because I know their coaches are teaching them to compete when it matters. Right? You get into that fourth quarter, this is what you have to experience when you get into the fourth quarter. You have to experience some pain. Jesus, Peter pained for Jesus. Okay? Jesus tells and he says it about Paul, but if he says it about Paul, he's also saying it about who? About us. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Right? Guys, There's a beautiful word in here. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, okay? To test you. You're going to be tested. If you want tests, keep growing because the more you grow, the more he tests you, okay? I teach concepts because I teach concepts on the basketball court. The Lord has concepts in his word. Problems come from me. Tests come from him. What do you want? You want problems or tests? Right? That's why Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey me. Because he wants to keep you from creating problems for yourselves because when you create problems, it's going to cost you time, It's going to cost you talent, and it's going to cost you treasure. Tests cost you nothing. He gives them to you. And then he says, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're being tested, you should just be going, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you are tested. Because it's going to what? It's going to teach you about perseverance. It's going to change your character. It's going to do things in you that no 12-step program can do for you. And he will do it instantly. In Mark chapter 4, he says that while you are sleeping, he will do something in you that only he can do. Okay? While you are sleeping. He is working. When you're sleeping, he's awake 24 hours a day, and he's working in you, and he's watching you, and if you're obeying him, and he's obeying him, and you're obeying him, okay? So I put on our schedule to play in this Clovis West tournament, and we opened up the tournament against Crenshaw High School out of Los Angeles. Anybody heard of Crenshaw High School? Crenshaw High School has produced NBA players, UCLA players. It's like ridiculous basketball. We're playing these guys. Okay? Everything about them. Nike has their sign all over everything they're wearing. At halftime, we're down 40. Okay? My best player, I'm going into the locker room, and I'm going, what do I tell these boys? And my best player named Benny, who's playing professional basketball in, in Asia, walks in. He kicks the can. And he says, Coach, we're going to beat them in the second half. And I said, thanks, Benny. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to beat them in the second half, guys. (laughs) Guys, we beat them by 20 in the second half. Right? We lost by 20. And the coach from the Crenshaw High School team was over next to me, yelling at the referees and calling them all kinds of, Names with not words from God's word, of course. But, and I'm going, are you kidding me? And Benny afterwards says, I told you, coach, we could beat him. You know? To this day, that's the greatest victory I've ever had as a coach. And we lost by 20. Right? He says, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead whom you killed by hanging him on the cross. And then he says, God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things and that yellow part is critical. That is absolutely critical. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who? Right? Right? Guys, it was a spiritual experience for me to leave everything in California and come here. All right? Because what I had in California was life. Everything was perfect. Right? And he made the phone call, and he said, I need you to pick up and go. And it cost a lot to move to Texas. I'm 56. It's not like I'm 36 and I can, start a, I can start a new life in Texas. Those were long-term relationships, all kinds of things. And he filled me with the Holy Spirit because I went to my wife, which is the first thing you should do on any decision. Anybody married here? <laughs> Let's just get some wisdom here. I went to my wife, and I said, this is the deal. And she looked at me. Ten years earlier, she said, we're not going to go to Texas. And we didn't. This time she looks at me and she goes, I'm ready to go. Boom. We picked up within two months. I was in Texas. I couldn't get here fast enough, okay, to watch high school football. <laughs> and meet you guys, not okay. <laughs> Peter suffered for him. Have you suffered for his name? Or have you suffered because you've done bad things? Suffering because you've done bad things is not good. But if you suffer for Jesus' name, you know, have you been insulted for his name? I have. Called into the principal's office a few times in California. Okay? If you're thinking of mentioning Jesus in California, you get called into the principal's office. <laughs> Were you thinking about him? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> All right? But It's important. That we learn this. You're gonna suffer for him. If you have not suffered for his name, then you really can't rejoice. Okay? You really that's what he says. You can't really rejoice. You have not really experienced what being joyful is if you have not suffered for his name. If you've suffered for being for being a Baptist, that's not good. <laughs> That's probably the worst thing you can do is suffer for being a Baptist. It's like me suffering for being a cowboy fan. Okay? And so this, this year I, I made a proclamation in front of the congregation, actually. I, I switched. I'm a Texans fan. I am, I am. I am. What's bad is that you guys are applauding for that, and you haven't applauded for anything else I've said about Jesus. <laughs> you guys are not. Well, anyway, final victory. No, and all these things. It says final victory on the top. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? You explain who Jesus is. You proclaim who Jesus is. Okay? You remain in Jesus. And what's the last one? You're paying for Jesus. That's the final four. Okay, And the question is not for anybody else. It's for you. Uh, and when you do this, You will be a blessed man. You will be a leader. Not in the eyes of anybody that is so insignificant compared to the one who says, I want to know what you're going to do with my name. Always ask, which Jesus are we talking about? Okay? I asked that question when I got here. If Pastor Greg Mott does not teach about the right Jesus, I am not here. And my daughter is the one, come here, the one who taught me. (laughs) She is the one who taught me. She was here for four and a half years, and she would tell me about Pastor Greg Mott's messages. And I would ask her, is he talking about the right Jesus, baby? He goes, Bobby, he is right on. So when I got the call, that was not a question. I'm coming to the one church in Houston where the name of Jesus is not denied. Got it? Oh. We are a generation, out the Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We hope you can join us in person. We meet Thursday mornings at 6 30 a.m. in the garden room of Houston's First Baptist Church. For more details and to register, you can visit us on the web at warriorsheart.org. That's warriorsheart.org. Have a great day.